0: Good morning, and welcome to Browncroft. So great to have you here with us on Palm Sunday. It's great to have you. Um, Today we are celebrating kind of the kickoff, as Rob was alluding to, to the Easter season that is here. Um, We're celebrating today, Palm Sunday, uh, uh, the occasion in which people gathered as Jesus was entering Jerusalem and celebrated together, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, here is the the King right here and, and, and a hope my hope is for all of us today that we get to experience that a little bit today together as well. Now we're doing that with a series that we're ending today about generosity generosity. And my hope over the course of this time together is to blend those two things together for us, this idea of celebration and joy and generosity, and figure out how do all those things work together? How can we be a people who are giving out of the joy that we're experiencing with Jesus in our lives? So uh, that is the setup. You can turn, if you will, into your Bibles, Luke 19, 1 through 10. That's where we're going to be. you got Bibles in front of you or uh, you're at home or here and you want to use the version app. You can follow along with that as well. But before we actually get into Luke 19, 1 through 10, let me give a little background to this. Because this story is a little bit familiar for some of us here, but I want to look at it in a new way today. I want our to take off the lens that we normally look at these things with and, and say, "Is there something that Jesus might be telling us today as we look at this passage, something fresh for us today? And I believe that Jesus is always doing that. He always wants us to to learn and experience new things about himself in here. So the story that we're going to look at today is right before Palm Sunday happens. So a couple of days beforehand, and Jesus is walking through a town called Jericho. Now, Jericho is a very influential city in its time. Very influential, very wealthy, as a matter of fact. It was one of the wealthiest cities of the time, and it, it went by the nickname the City of Palms. So it kind of had this extravagant kind of idea. And you can envision people actually gathering up the palm branches that they used for uh, Palm Sunday as Jesus enters Jerusalem, you can imagine them kind of gar. Gathering up these palms together and making this march toward Jerusalem. This march was 15 miles. It would have been very common for people to make this journey throughout, you know, the course of a day. It would typically take them eight to 10 hours or so, and it was a long hike. So they would go 3,000 feet elevation from Jericho to Jerusalem. So that's the, the the city. That's the perspective that we're coming at here as we head into this story this morning. A little pre-Palm Sunday story for us to consider the joy of giving. The joy of giving is what we're talking about this morning. Luke 19, 1 through 10 says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that was lost. Okay. Let's lean into this passage together and discover some new things together as we're looking at this story of Zacchaeus. First of all, something that I didn't know, the first guy that we meet in this passage other than than Jesus, his name, Zacchaeus, that name actually means innocent or pure. His name actually means innocent or pure. Now, as we encounter this, that should cause us to go, that's weird, because this is super ironic in this passage. If you look at who Zacchaeus is and his actual name, you should go, that is odd. Because this guy is actually, uh, to put it nicely, a scumbag, okay? Uh, that's, that's Zacchaeus is. He is cheating his own people out of money and their livelihood. So what would happen is the Romans, when they would occupy a territory, they would come in, and rather than them going around collecting taxes for everybody, they would go and say, actually, we're going to hire out some people from the local community, and we're going to let them take care of the taxes. And you know what? If they happen to line their pockets with a little extra cash, we're going to look the opposite way, just because it's going to help us out in the long run. And so Zacchaeus was a part of that. He was actually collecting money for the Romans, And maybe it started simple at first. Maybe I'll take just a couple extra bucks for my pocket. Maybe a couple more. But over time, he had become, this is the only time it's mentioned in the whole Bible, chief tax collector. He was a tax collector over tax collectors. This guy in one of the wealthiest cities of the time. So, okay, have you ever played uh, Monopoly with somebody who owns Boardwalk and Park Place (laughs) at the same time? (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about here? And then they start building hotels on Boardwalk and Park Place. And every time you land on it, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You owe me some, all your money. All your money. You're bankrupt. That's Zacchaeus. Okay? Only he wasn't doing it for play. He was doing it for like his real job. That was his life. He was taking food out of the mouths of kids. That's what he was doing in his day-to-day life. So it's very ironic that this man named Innocent or Pure is having an interaction with Jesus. And it says, the passage says he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. That actually, that word see means he was seeking Jesus, which tells us something about Zacchaeus. All the wealth, all the stuff that he had accumulated didn't satisfy the ache inside. He was seeking more. Rob last week talked about the shrewd manager, right? The the manager who really leverages his relationships with people to, to enter into, help them enter into heaven. Zacchaeus is actually doing the exact opposite here. What he's doing is he's surrounding his life with money instead of relationships, and the only person he's helping is himself in this moment. He's just all about me, 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 me and it's destroying his life. He feels empty inside. The passage always also tells us Zacchaeus is short, or as I like to say, vertically challenged, okay? So we have to wonder, why does it say this? Because we aren't told in other passages, like the height of everybody in the Bible, right? We aren't told Every, you know, Timothy, we don't know how tall he was. Paul, we don't have a record of how tall Paul was, right? But this passage wants to communicate something to us. It's that I think it's beyond his physical stature. Zacchaeus not only was short, he felt little in his experiences with other people. The crowd was actually getting in his way of seeing Jesus. The crowd that was surrounding him The people he was cheating out of everyday life, they were getting in the way of him experiencing Jesus the way that he was meant to experience Jesus. And so you have this vision of him. And here is Zacchaeus, this short guy, right? And I love how the Bible, if you really read it, sometimes it's just funny. Because this this passage tells us about Zacchaeus and, and it gives us this vision of him running ahead, right? So you got this vision of, Here's this short little guy, and he's run, running, 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 running ahead of the, ahead of the crowd. i got to get ahead of the crowd. i got to get ahead of the crowd. And he's so hurried and hurried, and he finds a tree, and he goes and climbs up a tree, and it tells us it's a fig tree, and he's sitting there in the tree. You know, I, I'm, the, the passage doesn't say this, but I'm imagining him, him eating a fig, you know, <laughs> waiting for Jesus to come by, just waiting. Maybe Jesus will be able to give me something that I can't get on my own this hurried man alone feeling the pressure of being all he really has in this world and nothing can really satisfy him. Here's where I wanna pause, okay? Because this is one of the biggest lessons of this passage is the story of Zacchaeus is actually the story of us. The story of Zacchaeus is actually the story of us. Now, if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, here's the reality. There's realities that we deal with. The first one is this. You are more incredibly valuable than you could ever imagine. You, as a human being, were created in the image of God. That is mind-blowing to think about, to think about that reality. Each person here Each person, I don't care about your background, I don't care what you've done, you carry with you inherent worth because you are a human being. At the same time, each of us has gone our own way. Now, you might say, well, I've never embezzled people out of their money, right? I've never done that. But each one of us, no matter who you are, has chosen our own selfish ways. We want to line our own pockets before we want to help others and follow God, each person. And many of us have lived that out in different ways. For some, for some of us, we've tried to do that by being good. For some of us, we've, we have lived a life like Zacchaeus and, and have cheated people out of things or done this. And for many of us, we're along that spectrum all along the way, right? But the story of Zacchaeus is our story. It's our story. So have you ever felt little, Rejected, less than. Have you ever felt hurried? (laughs) Like you're rushing through life to prove yourself, right? Maybe you look great on the outside, but inside you're experiencing something completely different. If so, you can relate with Zacchaeus. Now along comes Jesus, and I love Jesus. (laughs) His his way of life is so different, right? Right? And so Zacchaeus is running back and forth, and Jesus enters Jericho, and he's simply walking. He's simply walking, walking, paying attention as he walks. And there is a Japanese theologian in the 1960s who wrote this book, Three Mile Per Hour God, and his theory, which I think is extremely compelling, is that God actually moves at the speed in which we walk. So it's so easy for us to get ahead of God in our lives because we aren't slowing down to actually listen to his voice in our lives and to pay attention to him. But Jesus is is describing something completely different, a totally different way of life in the way that he's interacting here. And the passage tells us that Jesus looks up. That phrase, look up, literally translated means he receives sight. So when Jesus heals blind people in the Bible, they, it says he receive, they receive sight. It's the same exact phrase that's used here. How can, Jesus, how can that be true of Jesus? I thought Jesus knew everything. No, Jesus is listening to the Father's voice as he's walking, and then he stops in his tracks and he goes, no, there's a reason why I'm here, and he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, that's the reason why I'm here. You're the reason why I'm here. He's, he receives sight. He sees Zacchaeus for who he truly is. And, and we can... Trust this about God. Jesus sees you for who you were created to be. Jesus sees you for who you were created to be. Apart from all the striving, apart from all the trying, Jesus sees you for who you were created to be. Now, Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus. What's the first word that Jesus says when he looks up in the tree? What's the first word out of there? Anybody? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Yes, he says Zacchaeus. Now, if you don't know what Zacchaeus' name means, it's just like, oh, that's cool. He's just addressing him by name. But once you know what it means, it's kind of a mind melter, right? Why, would that, why wouldn't Jesus just say, hey, you? He says, pure, innocent. Come on down from the tree. And that rocks Zacchaeus's world. As a matter of fact, he runs down, just like he ran to get to the tree. He hustles down the tree, and there he is. And all of a sudden, he is just overwhelmed by excitement. Jesus, come to my house. Jesus, I welcome you gladly. This is so exciting for me. Now, again, why? Why is he excited to have Jesus over? What's driving him? I think part of the reason we don't always understand a passage the way that that maybe we could is because we have this Western lens when we look at a passage and we don't understand the, the culture in which it's coming from. So let me break it down a little bit for you. In a Western society, we tend to view things in guilt or innocence, right? So you go into trial if you're, if you're proclaimed innocent, that means your reputation is restored, you didn't do it. If you're, if you're declared guilty, then you have to pay the price for what you've done, and then after that time, you can be released back into society and kind of work your way back up into a good reputation again, right? So, that's our, our, so we would look at this story and go, Zacchaeus, you've embezzled a ton of money, just pay it back and you'll be in right standing. However... Eastern culture is not guilt innocence, it's honor shame. That's completely different because a person cannot gain honor back. Once they're shameful, it's not a matter of, you know, guilt innocence says you have done something wrong. Honor shame says you are something wrong. You are bad. And there is no way to earn honor back unless someone of honor comes to you and says, now you're honorable. There's no way, you can't spend enough years in jail, you can't give enough back in order for someone to speak the words, uh, you are honorable over you. You can't do it. And the mind-boggling thing about this passage is Jesus honors Zacchaeus. And the crowd doesn't get it. So what does the crowd say about about? Jesus' actions here. They said, you're welcoming what? A sinner. They still don't get it. They still don't get it that Zacchaeus is not defined by what he's done anymore. Jesus is a man of honor is saying, no, Zacchaeus, your actions aren't defining you anymore. But Zacchaeus gets it. Zacchaeus understands what is happening in this moment. And that's what's really important. And Zacchaeus, instead of hurrying now, Zacchaeus stands in front of everybody. And I think this is intentional in the passage. He's not running back and forth. He's standing. And he says, here and now, I'm giving half of what I have made over these years away to the poor. I'm giving half of it away. And if I've cheated anybody, by the way, I've cheated a lot of people. If I've cheated anybody, I'm giving them four times the amount that I've cheated back to them. The Old Testament law said you had to give a, what you cheated them plus a fifth back. Zacchaeus is saying, no, I'm going way above and beyond what is required of me. I'm having, let's call it an going out of business sale right now, okay? I'm going out of business. My whole lifestyle has changed. I am not the same man. I'm standing in front of you to say it starts over here and now it's different. Jesus has changed me. Jesus changed me. I'm giving everything I can because of the joy that I've experienced from Jesus. That's the way I want the joy, that's the way I want giving to be kind of for me, is to remember that joy that I had with Jesus. I remember one of the first times that I I, uh, embraced the idea of joyful giving. Uh, A few years ago, it it hit me pretty severely. Some of you here are, are old enough to remember the Bills' uh, 17-year playoff drought, a few of you. Um, by that, I mean you're, you're over four years old. So um, toward the end of that drought, uh, the really horrible drought, um, about, about uh, December, late December 2018, the, the Bills had the opportunity to make it into the playoffs. OK? Um, but in order to do that, two things had to happen. The Bills had to win a game versus Miami, and the Bengals had to beat the Ravens in order to make it in to the playoffs. Well, my family actually happened to be in Baltimore for, this, for the last game of the season. It was the Bengals versus the Ravens, and I actually happened to be there for this time. And my son wanted to go to the first NFL game. And I, when I bought the tickets, I got them cheap because it was so really brutally cold that no one wanted to go to the game. Here's actually a picture of us. Uh, there, in m and Bank Stadium, and uh, and and so I didn't know it at the time, but this was going to have a big This was going to be a significant game, so we get into our seats. I look up at the scoreboard from around the league, and there was posted the Bills' score. Bills had gone on to beat the Dolphins, and I'm like, "Well, this is cool. This is awesome." Um, and the Bengals were winning versus the Ravens, and I was like, this is it. This is cool. I can't believe you know, this is amazing. And then the Bengals started to lose, and I was like, this is the most Billsy thing that I've ever been at <laughs> in my life. I can't believe this. There's going to be a whole stadium people of celebrating, and I'm going to have to endure it and just go on another year, another year. We can, there's always next year, right? The perennial statement of a Bills fan, always next year. And, uh, and so I was embracing that. But all of a sudden, the Bengals started to come back. And uh, it got down to the fourth quarter with just mere seconds left in the game. And the quarterback for the Bengals, Andy Dalton, uh, it was fourth down in like 15. It was like a long way to go. And, and he drops back in the pocket, finds a wide receiver over the middle, Tyler Boyd. I can still envision it, not only on the clips, but I can envision seeing it. He, he makes the catch over the middle, go, go, go. I'm, I'm, I'm like dis- in disbelief as I'm watching this happen. In front of me, he, the, the wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, runs right in front of us, right there, into the end zone. And I go, yes! Go Bills! Go Bills! Go Bills! Go Bills! Go Bills! The stadium is quiet, meanwhile. <laughs> just absolutely, the stadium is absolutely has just gone from euphoria to nothing. And I'm yelling, go Bills! And the dude behind me goes, goes... Taps me on the shoulder and goes, I'm concerned for your safety. And I was like, <laughs> duly noted. I'll try to tune it down a bit. Um, and it wasn't just me that experienced joy in that moment. Thousands upon thousands of Bills fans, right? In that moment, started giving. Giving $17 to the Andy Dalton Foundation. Because Andy Dalton had rescued us from shame and into honor. Bills could be honored once again. And we celebrated together as one community, $17 at a time. And I was part of those people. I was on my computer. I got to give to Andy Dalton. I don't know what Andy Dalton does, but he's fantastic. I love Andy Dalton. And, um, And I gave $17 to the Andy Dalton Foundation out of joy. It was pure joy. There was no other reason for it other than pure joy from my heart. And I was like, I wonder how many times I give like that to Jesus, right? You multiply that feeling that I was experiencing in that moment times 100, times another 100, and that's what Zacchaeus was experiencing that day. He was free. He was completely, 100% free. There was no more shame. He was honored. He was brought back. I love how 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says it. Each of you should give what you are de- you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't think I understood what that phrase meant completely until I was giving totally cheerfully. And I hope that's true for us as we think about giving. Yeah, for some of us, it's easy to write a check, but, but beyond a check. Our time. Our talents as well. Yes, and our treasure of our lives. Giving everything out of that sense of joy. Uh, One of my favorite authors from the last century, A.W. Tozer, says this. The whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky and the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. Wouldn't that change the way we live, the way we give our hearts and the way that we respond to generosity if we truly believe that? I love that. Here's, I think, what Zacchaeus learned. To put it bluntly, you can't outgive God. You can't possibly outgive God. As much as God has done for you, he has done way more. So for Zacchaeus to give up everything wasn't even close to what he had received from Jesus in that moment. And Zacchaeus goes on to change his entire way of life because of that. Church history would tell us, we aren't told in this passage, but anytime you read a passage, you should go, why is that in there, right? Why is this story about Zacchaeus here? And um, Luke, is, who wrote this gospel, is a really astute historian, so most likely, he was like the Ken Burns of like the early church, right? I mean, he's, he is taking detailed accounts from people that are well-known about what they've experienced with Jesus. And so early church history tells us that Zacchaeus actually became a leader within the early church. Um, some places say he was a bishop in the early church. He left everything because it was, mo- it was worth it to follow Jesus, And why? Because Jesus doesn't just just doesn't look at one aspect of who he is, he looks at everything. Verse nine says this. Um, Jesus is talking to him. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's a son of Abraham. Jesus is saying, this isn't just a one-on-one conversation. Now we're having a family reunion is what we're having here. This is a celebration together. This is about this man being restored back to this community. And he is worthy of acceptance for all of us. And that's what Jesus does for us in our lives as well. Because we, again, are Zacchaeus. You and me, we are Zacchaeus. Jesus ends by giving his mission statement in his life. He says this, the son of man, referring to himself, it's a Messiah prophecy term. He says, he's come to seek and save the lost. He's come to seek and to save the lost. All of us in that same boat. Here's the good news. The story starts with Zacchaeus seeking Jesus, right? But really, the irony is that it's Jesus who was seeking Zacchaeus all along. So, if we're seeking Jesus, it's because Jesus is seeking us. If you're here today and you're like, man, for some reason, I have to find out who Jesus is. I'm drawn to Jesus, but I'm ashamed. I'm carrying around all this stuff from my past. I don't even know if, if I said it to, out loud to people, if, if this place would even accept me. You know what? You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Not only are you welcome by us, you're welcome by Jesus. Because here's the fact, if that's the way you're feeling inside, Jesus is seeking you. You're seeking him because he is seeking you. That's reality. That's reality for us. Are you seeking Jesus this morning? That should be our question, right? If we place ourselves in Zacchaeus' shoes in this passage, are we seeking Jesus? What's getting in the way if we aren't? Maybe shame? Maybe guilt? For some of us, greed? Greed? For some of us, it's the crowd, like it was for Zacchaeus. I just have to impress this person or that person, or I have to do this or I have to do that. Image, right? Big for a lot of us. What's getting in our way of really seeking Jesus this morning? And for some of us, we have experienced that joy of being with Jesus. I'm so thankful. Can I, can I tell you guys one thing? One thing. I am extremely thankful to be part of a community like Browncroft. (laughs) I'm proud to be part of a community like Browncroft. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Yeah. When Rob got up here and said that this church raised $43,000 for the Ukraine, that did not surprise me at all. I'm serious. It didn't. Rob said it last week when he stood up on the stage and he challenged everybody to give $25,000. That did not surprise me. He said, he said, oh yeah, this is going to be no problem for you guys. And uh, I, I was right there with him because I've experienced the generosity that's in these seats right here. I've experienced it in my life. I know you. And you've blessed my life in more ways than I can count. Um, and I would, I would call us to give even more out of what Jesus has done for us. Not because we're going to earn points in his eyes, but because that's where life is worth living when we're giving out of joy and we're experiencing him new and fresh ways. That's where life is worth living. But in order to do that, we have to reflect back on what he's done for us. So maybe some thoughts to consider this morning. What has Jesus done for you? What has he done? How has he shown up in your life? What did he rescue you from? What did he, how did he honor you, give you a place of honor when you did not deserve it? None of us deserved it. How did he show up like that in your life? Remember that. What was that like? If we can go back there for a moment, I think it would dra- drastically transform the way that we view generosity in our lives, to be giving out of that place, to think, oh yeah, that's right, Jesus. That's where I was before I met you. Oh yeah, I did not have it all together and I still don't, Jesus, but my goodness, was I a mess. And to give out of that, I think there's opportunity for us to experience joy that we never would experience any other way as we respond to Jesus in this way. And that's my prayer for us together today. In order to do that, let me just lead us in a word of prayer as we close. But before I do that even, let me point to one other thing in this passage that is really important, and it's this. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus in a tree, and he says, get down. There's such a a rich story behind this. He looks at Zacchaeus in a tree, and he says, get down from there, stop proving yourself. This is not your job to own anymore, this is mine. A few short days later, Jesus goes up in a tree to pay not only for the sins of Zacchaeus, but for the sins of all of us. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, and then he takes the place of Zacchaeus. And we are Zacchaeus. You and me, each one of us, we are Zacchaeus. He took that place for us. If you haven't come to the place in your life where you have accepted that, there's no better day than today to say, Jesus, would you take over control of my life? Here is my life. Here and now, I do whatever you want me to do. There's no greater joy than that. I guarantee you. So let me pray for us all together. Dear Lord, I thank you for coming to rescue us, Jesus. Thank you that as we reflect on the events of this Easter week, that you didn't just come to, to live a good life, you came to set us free. You paid the penalty that we should have paid on our own. And so Lord, even right here and right now, if there are people at home, if there are people in this auditorium who are just realize that they come to the end of their rope. They can't do this anymore. They have tried proving themselves on their own, but they have decided, I need to give my life to Jesus. That's where life is found. Lord, I pray that they would even now say to you, Jesus, here is my life. I choose to live for you and not myself. Whatever you want me to do, I surrender to you. And then, Lord... I pray for those of us who have made that decision that we would be reminded of that time in our lives where we tried to prove our own worth and how empty that really is in the long run. And Lord, I pray that we would experience joy in you and that that joy would propel us out to be a light in our community. Um, And first and foremost, that we would experience that that joy deep within our souls and our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for for what you're doing inside of our community here at Browncroft. I pray you continue to launch us into deeper relationships with you and each other. In your name, amen.